Well, we've just gathered around this precious table, uh, joining not just the people in this room, but really all the saints gathered together in various places uh, with the same host, our Lord Jesus Christ. And I wonder what was going through your mind this morning as we were singing the words of that beautiful song, uh, singing about God uh, restoring us and by His wounds, the wounds of our Lord, we are healed. Uh, Have you found that healing this morning? Well, I pray that you have. Well, I I look at the backdrop this morning, this comic strip, and it's exciting. Uh, This is a very important time in the life of this church. I love the skyline here, Uh, so this morning I'm a kind of street preacher, if you will. But I love this theme. Jesus is my superhero. And I think that that theme not only speaks to our sermon text this morning, but also it really speaks to the way we read Scripture, the lens through which we look at Scripture. Uh, So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Ruth chapter 4, Ruth is that tiny book in between Judges and 1st and 2nd Samuel. Judges is, I'll talk a little bit about that later, but uh, Judges is a really uh, difficult book to work through. Uh, Lots of uh, difficult uh, stories. You think about the, uh, the picture of fallenness of humanity. You get it in the book of Judges, and then following Judges, you have this, this beautiful story of redemption with the story of Ruth. And we're going to finish this series this morning. We'll be in Ruth chapter 4, reading just a few verses at the end. Uh, but the Marvel movies that have come out uh, with the, the superhero theme has really struck a chord with a lot of people. I've spent some time watching those Marvel movies with many, peop- many of the men in this congregation. Uh, we used to meet up at Fuddruckers there in Old Settlers and We'd eat a hamburger, and then a group of us would walk across the street to the Dollar Theater. And we would watch a lot of these Marvel movies. We'd have this escape, and I have a lot of great memories, a lot of great laughs with that group of men. But I think they were on to something with those Marvel movies. I think that really satisfied a hunger that we have as Americans for uh, stories about power and strength and overcoming adversity and self-sacrifice, and the proof is in the pudding. There was a stretch of a decade where the Marvel movies really held up the the movie industry as Americans flocked to the theater. But I'm going to admit something. Growing up, I read the Bible as a kind of collection of superhero stories. Abraham and Moses and David and, as mentioned before, the judges, you know, for a little boy with my friends, Uh, We were excited to read those stories about Ehud and Gideon, and especially the story of Samson. Uh, But as I grew in the faith, as I read Scripture a little differently, I saw more clearly what these stories were all about, that the great heroes of faith really had extraordinary flaws, and they were broken, especially Samson. Samson and his superhuman strength was given over to arrogance, and lust of the flesh, and ended up being his downfall. 
But you can go through the list of heroes in the story, and you realize that a lot of people were broken in Scripture. And that's not really what the story is all about. The story is about a good God, a good creator, who works out his redemption plan in spite of these men and women. And God continues to do that even in spite of us. This is where the Marvel movies fall short. In the Marvel movies, the heroes overcome the great villain by their own strength and their own ingenuity and their own courage and teamwork. But the Bible makes no such claim. There's no delusion of grandeur about how strong human beings are. Overcoming evil does not come from humanity. And we read this in the Old Testament. Uh, The results of the experiment are in. Even with all of the covenant promises and the temple and the land and the prophets and the law, all these things that God had given to Israel, Israel ends up in the same place that every human being ends up. Exile. And in the battle with sin and evil, humans are always going to lose if left to our own devices. But what the story of Scripture invites us to do is to look at the actions of God, not just in these individual stories, but to recognize that this really is one story of redemption. And the center of that story is the great hero, the Messiah of promise. And I'm thrilled that our children are going to be immersed in that this week, in that theme and in this great story. And a lot of work has gone into telling this story. But I want to build on this idea of Jesus is my superhero by looking at the short passage at the end of Ruth, beginning in verse 13 of chapter 4. Yes, we skipped the part about the threshing floor. We skipped the part about the kinsman redeemer, the lifting up of the one sandal. Uh, You can read that on your own and try to figure that all out. But I want to end this series by looking at verse 13 and following. Let's hear the word of God from Ruth 4. So Boaz took Ruth. She became his wife. He went into her and the Lord gave her conception. And she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And may God bless the reading of his word. When I was a kid, we didn't have a lot of superhero movies. We had Christopher Reeve as Superman. And he's the real Superman, by the way. But we did have Star Wars. And I know last year the Camp Agape theme was Star Wars, but I'm going to be with Star Wars this morning. Uh, All my friends and I, we watched Star Wars. 
And I'm taking great risk this morning uh, because I might give the impression that I'm some sort of nerd. And uh, that's something I try my best to keep a secret. I grew up watching Star Wars on an old Zenith television. We had VCR. We had a VCR and VHS tapes. We had a VCR that had a remote control. It was attached with a cord, but it was a remote control. I had all the copies of the original Star Wars trilogy on VHS. And of course, my favorite movie was The Empire Strikes Back. I watched it over and over again. I memorized every line. I knew every frame. I knew every musical note. I adored that movie. It truly captured my imagination. When I was in high school, a cleaned-up version of these movies was released, and I was over at a friend's house, and we decided to watch The Empire Strikes Back. There was a scene with Darth Vader, the, the great villain in the story, and the evil empire was chasing our heroes through an asteroid field, and so you had all these big ships that were going through the, the asteroid field, hunting down our heroes, and Darth Vader was communicating with his captains of these different ships. And they appeared to him in little holograms and he was coordinating the chase. But then in this scene, there was a third hologram of a captain who was in the conversation. And all of a sudden, this little hologram shields his face in terror as an asteroid hits. And then the hologram dissolves and disappears. And we know what happened there. And I immediately told my friend, can you rewind that? I've never seen that before. So he rewound the scene and we watched it again. Who was this man in the hologram who got hit by the asteroid, a nerd might ask. I had watched that movie so many times. I'd never seen this man before. Neither had my friend. And then it dawned on us, we had never watched this movie on the widescreen. The only way we ever experienced Star Wars was on an old Zenith television with a 4 by 3 ratio. There's a difference between full screen and widescreen. Full screen cuts off the edges. Do you remember that old message we used to get before watching a movie on television? It said, uh, this film has been modified from the original version to fit the screen, whatever it said. Widescreen is what appeared on the movie screen. and Well, I, I put an example from The Empire Strikes Back here. The top part is the widescreen. The bottom is what we saw growing up. And we were asking questions. I mean, who, who was that woman? there in the widescreen. We were seeing things we'd never seen before. The widescreen was expanding our vision. A little details that had been invisible were now coming into view. Well, as painful as that was for some of you to sit through, I want to use that image of the full screen and the widescreen and apply it to the way we read Scripture with perhaps the best example we have, this little passage at the end of Ruth, Ruth chapter 4. 
Because on one level, Ruth gives us a full screenshot of God's activity among individuals. It's a zoomed in version. So in the hero of hero stories of scripture, it's hard to beat Ruth and Boaz. But here at the end of the book, the focus comes on Naomi and the transformation of her circumstances. We get a zoomed in story of this woman who experienced great tragedy. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Famine had driven Naomi and her family to the country of Moab, an enemy country. What kind of madness would drive Israelites to go into Moab of all places? Well, a famine, of course. But there in Moab, Naomi loses her husband and her two sons die. And we get that painful lament at the end of chapter 1. And talking to the women of Bethlehem, Naomi says, Do not call me Naomi, which means pleasant. Don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me pleasant when the Lord has testified against me? The Almighty has brought calamity upon me. We call that working out our theology in the midst of tragedy, and it's messy. Naomi has hit rock bottom, to borrow a popular phrase, and her sorrow and her resentment is intense. But, through God's providence, through God's happy coincidences, Ruth, a woman of noble character, finds Boaz, a man of noble character, and they get married, and they have a son. But the one who really finds restoration in the book of Ruth is Naomi. And the, woman of the, and the women of the neighborhood recognize this. They remind Naomi that even though earlier she had felt abandoned by her God, God was present with her the whole time. God had not abandoned her. In fact, God had orchestrated a way for Naomi to be taken care of in her old age. Obed, this little child, would take the torch of the Redeemer, Boaz, and carry it and take care of Naomi in her twilight years. The women say, a son has been born to Naomi. Not Ruth and Boaz, but it might as well have been Naomi. Naomi, this woman who came back to Bethlehem empty and grief-stricken. This woman with no prospects, no hope. Now she had been given a future protector in this child, Obed. And a story that began in great tragedy ends with joy. And hope and celebration, as the psalmist says, weeping may tarry in the night, but joy comes with the morning. This is the full screen version of Ruth that we get. God working out impossible things in the lives of these three individuals who had come under his wings. Ruth the Moabite, Boaz the man with no heir, and Naomi the woman given over to grief and despair, God in His grace and His mercy and His provision and His presence had reversed the fortunes of this woman. It's a beautiful story of God's redemption and God's restoration. But if we read Ruth that way only, we would be missing the bigger picture. Because in chapter 4, verse 17, we get the widescreen version of Ruth. They named him Obed. Now notice that it's the women of the neighborhood who named him. Isn't that interesting? I find that fascinating. I don't know what that means. 
But the women named him. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And if you keep going, the book of Ruth ends with the genealogy. The genealogy that all points to King David. And in so doing, we see that God was not only working out redemption in the lives of these three individuals, but God was working out something so much bigger than Ruth and Naomi and Boaz could ever have imagined, unbeknownst to them, but not unknown to the narrator. These three individuals had entered into this this drama that had great implications for Israel, but it gets even wider than that. Even the inspired narrator could not have seen the cosmic scale of what God was working out in the lives of these three individuals. I mean, we have a great advantage looking back 3,000 years when this story was, came about, the story was written. We know with the help of the Old Testament where all this is leading. That the offspring of Ruth and Boaz has drawn us into the story as well. God has ushered in His salvation for the whole world through His Messiah. The one who came in the line of David, whose ancestors included this couple, this this older man and this this young Moabite woman who met each other in a barley field. God worked out something incredible. Maybe a good way to illustrate this is to put up a couple of paintings. So here's the first one. Here's an example of a scene from Ruth, what we get in Ruth chapter 4. We might call this the full screen version of Ruth. This is what would appear on the old Zenith television and the VCR, the zoomed in story. It's a beautiful story of God's activity reversing the fortunes of Naomi. A story that continues to happen today on an individual level. God is active in our prayers. That prayer that Matt lifted up this morning, that prayer of intercession, we trust that God is active in those prayers. Sometimes it takes decades, but we pray and we pray and we pray, and God meets us in those prayers. God breathes new life into our circumstances. No matter how dark and vast the wilderness may be, God is present working out something good for those that love Him. That is the full screen version of Ruth. But there's a widescreen version of Ruth as well. And here it is. This is what we find on the edges that have been cut off. But we see it in Ruth chapter 4 verse 17. We see it in the genealogy at the end of the book. A thousand years after Ruth, another young woman received the message of good news. Not just for Israel, but for the entire creation. As it turns out, it's this story that's actually the central story. And with that long list of stories of heroes in Scripture, it's the story of Jesus as our superhero. It's the story of Jesus that binds all these stories together. Everything is united in the Christ story. Ruth and Boaz point to this moment. And I believe this is a challenge for us here at Brentwood Oaks. 
not just to read Scripture with a, a widescreen lens, but also to look at the mission God has entrusted to us with a widescreen view, a kingdom view, a kingdom vision. I'll give you an example. I think of what happened years ago with what has been called the Arab Spring and the refugees who fled to Europe from Egypt and from Libya. For years, the church had struggled with how do you proclaim the good news in closed countries where there's persecution. And no doubt that was happening with some very courageous people, some missionaries who uh, infiltrated and to great risk proclaimed the gospel. But through twists and turns and world affairs, the church really didn't have to go to these countries in that moment. Those countries came to Europe. Those countries came to America I have a friend, and many of you know, know him. He packed up his family and moved to Greece to meet these thousands and thousands of Muslim refugees and to share the good news. And you think about ministries like Eastern European missions and how they've translated the Bible into Farsi and how they've tried to get thousands of Bibles to Greece and those places where, well, East meets West... Who knows? Who knows what God is working out through the generations in that mission? But I think about us here at Brentwood Oaks. I think about the immigrant population just south of us. However they got here is less important than the fact that they are here. They're in our backyard. Clearly, God works out His redemption through migration. That's one of the major arcs in Scripture. It happens over and over again. Famine, natural disasters, wars, persecution, exile. Oh, you think about uh, the stoning of Stephen in Acts chapter 7 and the scattering of the church. That really was the spreading of the gospel. Uh, The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, as the saying goes. But what if, what if through Academy 4 or some other ministry of this church to the neighborhood, what if one interaction sparks the reception of the good news of Jesus Christ? What if that has an impact for generations as the story of the true hero takes residence? in the hearts of those who have the ears to hear. What if God is connecting us to future missionaries in our own backyard? The kingdom lens is the widescreen lens. It's having a kingdom view and an openness to God's work in this world, inside and outside the church. The hands and feet of Jesus as God connects us to people whom He has already prepared and is preparing to hear the good news as we go out and teach and as we are taught and as we are open to His movement among us. So the challenge for us as we think about the story, the story of redemption, the story of the cross, the empty tomb, The work of the Spirit among us is to adopt a kingdom vision here at Brentwood Oaks 
and to be open and to pay attention to God's movement among us. Where is God taking us? Who is God connecting us with? And are we prepared to receive and to follow His lead? It is for Christ, for the world, that we sing. We'd like to offer this invitation for those who have many different circumstances. There may be those this morning, you just need prayers. You've come to a point in your life where you're in a situation that is beyond you. And you could come to the front and this church would surround you and pray over you. Uh, Kurt Holman would pray, one of our elders. Following our assembly, there's also some space in our chapel for prayer, if you would like a more private setting. If you've heard the good news and you've been wrestling with it and uh, you would like to put on Christ in baptism, to walk through the Red Sea, so to speak, uh, come and talk to us. We'd love to make that happen. If you have uh, been baptized and you would like to join in with what God is doing here among us, to place membership with us, now is the time to come as we stand and as we sing this song.